0: Hey everybody, it's Will at ScheduleFly, and this episode is sponsored by Whiskey. Just kidding. (laughs) We don't have any sponsors. Uh, But this is an episode that's been, we we probably spent half the time talking about Whiskey. I spoke with Kevin Barrett, and Kevin is the co-owner of Dram and Draft in Raleigh, North Carolina. They've also got a location in Greensboro, North Carolina, and they're opening one in Durham next. And they have... uh, wow, I mean, these guys have over 400 bottles of whiskey at each location, and it is phenomenal. Whiskey from all over the world, Ireland, Japan, Scotland, and of course, from the U.S. So luckily, Kevin was very kind, and we actually sipped on some whiskeys while we were talking, and I love whiskey, so we talked a lot about uh, what whiskey is and how it's made and what kinds he likes and Just all kinds of stuff. So we spent a while on that, and then we talked about uh, his business and the bar business and lessons he's learned and what he loves about the business and what the challenges are. And so uh, if you don't care anything about whiskey, then fast forward a little ways, maybe about halfway through. Otherwise, just enjoy. This was a lot of fun doing this. I hope I get to go do another one. I could literally talk to him about whiskey for, well, actually we did talk for another hour after we stopped recording. I wish I had that on tape. But, hey, I hope you all enjoy, and we'll have uh, more episodes coming soon. Thanks here all right what's up everybody it's will with schedule fly and i'm here in raleigh north carolina today with kevin barrett of dram and draft he's a co-owner here um, they have another location in greensboro and they're opening one soon in durham so we're gonna get into all kinds of stuff but we're sitting here i will i will go ahead and say we're sitting here sipping on some uh nika Takatsuri japanese whiskey and we've also got a booker's 30 year bottle in front of us and a bottle of old granddad kentucky straight bourbon whiskey from the 1980s correct wow this National is Distillers. freaking awesome damn um the Nikka is is fantastic so uh i i like bourbon and whiskey and so kevin's like i could probably ask him a million questions because this is his his this is his passion and his love, and he's got over 300 bottles of this stuff sitting in this place. This place is fantastic. Thank fantastic. you. Fantastic. Oh, my God. So, um, okay, well, tell me, like, give me a little background. Um, I know you, you've you been in hospitality a while, and you've worked at some – this is your first
1: place you've owned, or did you – um, No, not, not necessarily um – It's the first uh, successful bar I've owned. Successful bar, okay. Yeah. I owned a wine shop a long time ago. Okay. Back in Wilmington, North Carolina. And uh, Drew and I briefly had a uh, a place that uh, really wasn't taken off. So we unloaded that just as we were opening Dram and Draft. um, And here we are.
0: So you and Drew, so Drew is your partner, and y'all are both whiskey. Fanatics, whiskey connoisseurs. Yes,
1: yes. Drew used to own a, a bar called Rally Point that's still around out in Cary, North Carolina. He sold that about a year and a half ago. Okay. Uh, still around, still going strong, but he sold that to concentrate more on the Dram drafts. Okay, got it.
0: And y'all opened this one in, what, three three years ago? Three years,
1: three years ago, ago next almost month? exactly, yeah. at the end of this month. So okay. July 29th, oh, yeah, 2016. July. Yeah. Okay.
0: And then, uh, and you're moving, we just went, you're moving, um to a new location now this is an old gas station i see the so yeah so okay. it's service
1: station and we're moving right around the corner on the same block to one glenwood building and that will be happening sometime this month july so
0: okay so you were leasing yes this, obviously yes. and then they're going to tear this down and build two glenwood or whatever is unfortunately
1: that right? they're going to tear it down but okay. fortunately we have a good home and i think um once we get through the moving pains, we'll be better off.
0: What? Okay. So when you got into this place and you signed a a lease, yes. tell me about long term lease. Okay. You had a long term lease, but then they came and they what? Did the owner sell the building or yes, it, the
1: um, owner sold the building for development, and we had all kinds of clauses and uh, things in our lease if that day happened, and we were a little heartbroken when it happened, and a little surprised that it happened as fast as it did, but. Um, you know, Heritage Properties, uh, the developers over at uh, One Glenwood, uh, took care of us. They found us a new home, and they did all the things we asked them to do. Basically, so um, you know, we're sad to see this place go, but we're excited for the new spot as well.
0: New spot's bigger. I know the uh, so the, the new bar is uh, um, a little bit larger. I mean, you, how many do you have bottles up there? right well, now, or
1: roughly? I'm going to, yeah, roughly say 450. <laughs> God. It's 450 different SKUs. Oh, yeah. so 450 different SKUs. Yeah, probably, okay. so 450 different products up there, and probably closer to like 700, 800 total bottles. And then
0: you've got a dozen, I see, draft beers, mm-hmm. really good ones. Full steam, oh, man.
1: Yeah, the we th- try to split between some of our local favorites and then just whatever's pouring well and whatever we're in the mood for, and try to get a nice variety well curated list at the new spot we'll actually have 14 taps so okay not a huge difference but that allows us a little more flexibility to do things like keg cocktails or um, um you know right now we have a, a cider tap we have a sour tap we have a nitro tap that takes up three taps already so it's harder to do uh you know wine on tap or keg cocktails or something like that uh, with a couple extra taps it gives us a little more room to play with okay okay
0: well, um, how, did you, how did you get into whiskey initially? I mean, you like drinking it, I know, but like, yeah, what, what like about drinking. it, like, I mean, you obviously have a shit ton of knowledge about this, and I want to dive into that a little bit deeper, but I mean, what, what, what about it drew your interest and in, in, in Drew's interest that, you know, enough to where you now have this place that, you know, has hundreds of them? Well, there.
1: yeah, I think number one, it's delicious. Um, but back in the day, during the wine shop days, I wine was my first love. Drank a lot of wine. Italian reds really got me into it. Um, and French whites. And then everything in between. But uh, back then, I, I drank a lot of wine and some beer and not really a lot of liquor, period. And I remember Tuesdays was the wine rep day, and people would come in and just push whatever schwill they had on on them on you and you'd be tasting wine all day and you know if you're professional you actually do learn to spit and you know keep your wits about you your palate actually gets sharper as you taste but your brain gets duller so if you want to still be standing at 4 or 5 p.m after tasting wine all day you spit but still at the end of the day when I'd leave the shop my palate was blown out you know so yeah. i'd go down the street to a restaurant i used to work at and that's where i slowly started getting into liquor and this is a, this is a long time ago now um but it started with grand marnier <laughs> i'd sip on grand marnier just something to cut through the wine and then gradually got stronger and stronger stuff less sweet stuff um and then when i moved to raleigh probably 12, 12 years ago about 12 years ago i worked at or no i guess uh, yeah 11 years ago I worked in a couple spots and then ended up at a whiskey bar and well bourbon bar it's called foundation um worked there for about seven years helped run the place and when i first started working there we had a a great bourbon list at the time and i wanted to know about the products so at the end of the shift after we closed the bar we would sit there and literally drink a quarter ounce of each bourbon And line up, you know, let's say four, four or five. Just doing a quarter ounce at a time. And you get to know whiskey real well that way. Especially when you're comparing them directly.
0: This was just bourbons?
1: Yeah, mostly all bourbons. uh, Some Tennessee whiskey, some rye whiskey. It was all domestic products. Okay. And, of course, Foundation's still around, and they still do all domestic products. Um, But that was, I remember, you know, with the server at the time, Josh Gaines, he and I would close the bar often. And we wanted to know what we were talking about, um, why we were um, selling to customers. So we would just do a little sip at a time, compare them, take notes, talk it out, see what we liked. And we went through all the whiskeys and then we tried all the rums and just everything that we had on the back yeah. bar, a quarter ounce at a time. And that was the beginning of uh, a real whiskey education. Okay. Gotcha. And
0: all right no, I'm going to ask some questions that are probably dumb to you, but I'm still I still learn about. It. I love drinking this stuff. I don't have a ton of knowledge, but like bourbon is like it's got to be 51 percent corn and aged Correct. and like new charred. Yeah,
1: so there's there's a, a few things. That's like but what defines the what three corn. big ones are. It has to be made in the U.S. Yeah. Okay. Not just Kentucky. Made in the U.S. If anyone tells you it has to be made in Kentucky, they don't know what that's they're talking. That's being made about. all over the place now. Yeah, it's it's made in almost all 50 states right now. So it has to be made in the U.S. It has to be 51% corn or more in the mash bill, and it has to be aged in new charred white American oak barrels. New charred. Those are the three cream. big ones. Okay. There's a couple of things that has to go into the has to come out of the still at a certain uh, proof, um, and it has to go into the bottle at 80 proof or higher. Um, I think it's 160. Is that right? 160 out off the still or in the barrel at 160? No, uh, off the still at 160. That's right. Okay,
0: and then new charred white oak so you got to take a yes. white oak tree and you cut it down and you and that's
1: yeah you it. stave it turn it into a barrel you give it a char inside. that burns some of the wood sugars okay and the the uh, whiskey sits in the barrel and the great thing about Kentucky one of the many great things about Kentucky why there's so much made in Kentucky is the temperature change is so um, so great in Kentucky that they have Cold winters and hot summers, and that pushes the whiskey into the barrel, and it pushes it right up against that the charred wood sugars uh, layer, and pulls out some of that sweetness, pulls out the tannins, pulls out all the color, and I, I think you know, some people say eighty percent of the flavor comes from the barrel. From the barrel. Yes. Okay. And the longer it sits in there, and the more temperature extremes it, it experiences the more it gets pushed in and out of that barrel and picks up more and more flavors and nuance. And that peaks, and it depends on where it is in the warehouse and what level, what warehouse it's in, what level it's on in the warehouse. And uh, a lot of whiskeys, a lot of bourbons are are made to age, you know, 6 to 10 years. Not every bourbon is made to age 15, 20 years. Sometimes they... They peak in that six ten range and then they, they actually yeah. decline.
0: I was going to ask you about that because, like, you hear that the age and all that kind of, but a lot of times it doesn't necessarily mean that it's better just because it's older with bourbon.
1: Correct. Is that true I, with
0: wine too?
1: Uh, yeah, some yeah. wines. I think um, some wines are definitely made to age, and when they're so bottled, they're not they're, they're, they're not, made, not ready okay, to drink. Yeah. Okay. Some of them are peaking. Uh, you know, <laughs> as soon as you put them in the bottle. Some you want to drink in the first five years. Some you want to hold on to for 15, 20 years. I see there
0: was... uh, Right there, I see a bottle that's few, F-E-W. Is that the acronym Fruit, Earth, Wood? Is that what that's for, or is that...
1: No, I don't think so. I think think that's... You know, you could be right. I might be mixing up my stories, but I think that's actually the initials of the guy's children. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And that is... um, you, if I'm not if I'm not mixing up my stories, is the first legal distillery in Illinois okay. since prohibition, and it's right outside oh, wow. of Chicago. And uh, somebody fact check me on that. I've forgotten we'll, we'll more about bourbon no, than I just, uh, than, well, than most people ever know.
0: I, well, I was gonna say. I mean, I only cause it's cause a I had one, read though. about the whole fruit or, or what is it? Fruit earth? Wood. Maybe that's wood. Fruit is that wood, yeah. wine or is that? Bur-
1: I think that's wine, actually. Yeah, yeah, I think that's why. Yeah, okay. because the okay. earth would be the terroir.
0: Okay, okay. So, so whiskey is you're going to use either corn or wheat or it's some sort of barley, fermented grain, okay. and a barrel, or okay. rye, and a barrel, in okay. a barrel. Okay, so I that's think that's
1: the big umbrella category of whiskey. Okay. and then there's bourbon whiskey, Irish whiskey, Scotch whiskey, Tennessee whiskey, Canadian whiskey, Japanese whiskey. Japanese whiskey. And each one has its own requirements. Some are more strict than others okay okay and a lot of it is geographic Irish whiskey has to be made in Ireland Scotch has to be made in Scotland Scotch
0: has to be made in Scotland okay who does it best who's your like overall who do you who do you tend to prefer
1: and I know that's personal but (laughs) it's very personal yeah um in my heart I'm a bourbon guy yeah uh and and, you know it fluctuates a little bit um I'm a bourbon guy I love rye whiskey uh Definitely don't have anything against Irish whiskey or Scotch whiskey, but my uh, my tendency would be to lean towards bourbon yeah. and rye and venture off into Irish whiskey and scotch when, when the mood suits me, you know. Gotcha, gotcha. When the mood strikes me.
0: Now there's um Do you have Buffalo Trace?
1: Currently? Possibly. It's been hard to get in Wake County lately.
0: It's been hard to get it. So I went to the A B C store a few months ago. And I walked in and I said, can I have a bottle of Buffalo Trace? I was going to buy it for a buddy for his birthday. And the guy sat there, he goes, you like Buffalo Trace? I was like, yeah, I like it. He goes, so you've had it before? I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, what? He goes, hold on a second. And he goes in the back. And he comes back out and he hands me a bottle. He goes, look. It's so hard to get. I won't put it on the shelf cause I don't, I don't want somebody to buy it accidentally. I want somebody to know what they're buying and come in asking for it. And I was like, okay, man, cool, well. That's nice of them. Yeah, I know it's an ABC <coughs> store, but, uh, yeah, that, that, that's uh. so some of the stuff is, um, I mean, you've got some stuff that's like this has gotta be old granddad. Yeah. Be.
1: So the old granddad is, um, still one of the decent brands that is readily available at a good price. But what we have here is uh, Old Grandad from the 1980s. I don't have the exact year on it. We have a whole vintage section. And um, if I don't know the exact year, I can usually uh, narrow it down to just a a few years. So this is from 1980 to 86. Um, I couldn't get the exact year on it, though. But it's from National Distillers, and that's a distillery that doesn't exist anymore. It's kind of the heyday of Old Grandad. The great thing about these vintage whiskeys... For me, it's it's a little bit of nostalgia. We have a, a we had a bottle of Hill and Hill bonded bourbon from the 1940s, and that one may have been the best whiskey that I've drank in the last few years. Period, last three years. Really? Uh, yeah, Hill it was and just Hill amazing. And part of it is you think about it. That's like World War II whiskey. It was it was distilled during World War II, bottled sometime in the mid 40s, and then luckily somehow unopened and undamaged for over 70 years and uh, you know whiskey once it's in the bottle it doesn't change the way wine does but it it does change chemically a little bit over the years so if we tasted a bottle of old granddad today and old granddad a year from now and one was just newly bought and one had sat on our shelf for a year unopened we wouldn't notice a difference after 20 years, you probably notice a difference. After 70 years, you definitely notice a difference. Yeah. You know, some of those tannins uh, fall out, and the flavors change. Um, the, the Hill and Hill was just so rich; I had like a 90 second finish. Plus, the corn was different 70 years ago. The whole production process was different 70 years ago. I might be so- telling myself a fairy tale, but I just, you know, there's a little bit of romance in it thinking about the lives that have come and gone in between that period of time and the people that actually made it are probably no longer with us and you know there's just a whole lifetime in that one bottle. And it, it tasted just amazing. It was it was amazing. What happened? We drank it all? Yeah, we drank it all. <laughs> well we sold a lot of it and it was uh one of those one of those bottles that we didn't sell very cheap, you know, we didn't sell we sold it an ounce at a time for a fair price and then every once in a while it's one of those things that's so good you you want to keep it all for yourself but you want to share it with everyone yeah right you know? right right so it, when it got towards the end we had literally an ounce maybe sitting in the bottom of the bottle it's also one of those bottles that when you're finally done with it you, you tear up a little bit yeah um, there's only a few of those but uh there was about an ounce left and we shared it drew and i and, and one other person shared it and it was uh, you know, something to share with somebody that was really into it, really impressed by it, and, and really enjoyed it.
0: What's uh, what's like a re, like what's a well, you just mentioned on Grand? I mean, what's like a good? Because so much of this, I know, it's, uh, sometimes it's it's marketing. Like, what's a really good one you can get at an affordable price? And you could get like an everyday kind of thing that is still just.
1: I think it, it depends on what you're going to do with it. Some. um some brands are really versatile. Some, some I think, are just made for a very specific purpose. Sipping,
0: like I just like to. Oh, sipping, have I, I'd it neat say, and I'd like right say let's say
1: thirty dollars ish and less is Buffalo Trace if you can get it. Elijah, Elijah Craig Small Batch is great. Eagle Rare, a little on the lighter side, but great. And that might be a little bit more than thirty, but um, those are all great. If you're gonna make an old fashioned. I think Evan Williams 1783 from Heaven Hill is just a steal. It has all the great, perfect flavors that should be in an old-fashioned. You're adding just a little bit of sugar and a little bit of uh, bitters, and and you're adding a little bit of water and chilling it down. You're, like, smoothing out a couple of those rough edges, but all that great flavor still comes through. I think that's like a $15 bottle that was made for old-fashioned. Old-fashioned. Okay, Everyday old old-fashioned. I
0: love it. I'm going to try it. Yeah. um all right let's talk about the uh i could go on all day about this but i want to talk to you a little bit about the business side of this um so you opened three years ago uh you had run a wine store but now you've got this this business you and drew do with uh you know um a lot of moving parts what have you learned about and we were talking about this off mic beforehand you we were talking about that you know the uh, duality of you've got the, the drink itself and how well the drink is made and how much the yeah. bartender knows yeah. and all this stuff and, and then you've got the hospitality piece of this and mm-hmm. you've, you've changed opinions a little bit on that over the years tell, tell me about that on wh- which which is more important well it
1: sounds like you're talking about Kevin Barrett's five pillars of service bring uh. it I want to hear that yeah <laughs> so I, I, I really do talk about this training sometimes and I switched up the order And the important thing is, you know, it really is all about service. The first thing is when people walk in that door, they want to see somebody smiling or at least not mean mugging them when they walk in. Yeah. So number one is smile. You know, be be welcoming when people walk in. Number two is you should actually welcome them. Put a menu in their hand as soon as you can. If you can't get it in their hand right away, at least acknowledge them. Say hello. How are you doing? What's up?
0: As if you know? somebody came to
1: your house. Exactly, Yeah, yeah. and that's really what it is. If, if you can't have a party at your house and be a good host, you can't be a good bartender. You shouldn't be but, a good bartender, okay. So that's one and two, and those could be mashed together, but I think that really the first impression is the way you look at a person when they walk in your, your door. You're sitting there on a stool reading a book, and you walk. somebody walks in, they're going to feel like they're bothering you, and at best they're going to stay for one drink and then get the hell out of there. So you should be behind the bar, you should be happy, you should be... You know, welcoming your guest, you should verbally, you know, acknowledge them. And then, you know, three used to be our product, which is drinks for us, cocktails specifically. The bourbon and the whiskeys do their their own job, right? All the liquor on the shelf does its own job. The beer does its own job, but we select that pretty well. But the cocktails, that's our product. Number four is service. And I switched that because service is actually most important. I begrudgingly admit that. I thought that, you know, my cocktails were just so great that that's what was winning everybody over. But, you know, great service makes a mediocre drink good. It makes a good drink great. Bad service makes every drink bad. So, yes, it is service. Then it is your product. And then five would be, um, you know, the ambiance, which is all the things I just mentioned, plus lights, temperature and music. Well,
0: you know, it's funny because there's that set, you know, putting a bad taste in your mouth. Like, I mean, it's, it's kind of what that, like, bad service. Yeah. It kind of does. Like, you it could give them some does. freaking Pappy Van Winkle or whatever, and they're like, man. It doesn't matter, just no. guy's yeah. a dick and yep, whatever. I yep. don't want to, you know, screw him. If you
1: were paying 20 bucks or $200, bucks, you would be overcharged, you know. You'd be, you'd, just, you'd be in the wrong mindset to enjoy something. Yeah. And there are some people that are just great at it every day. There are some people that are great at it sometimes, and there are some people that just can't do it.
0: The um, well, you were mentioning the story of like few like is a story a lot of times a, a big like do you you and your staff really try to learn the story to these because that you can convey to the customer because that that sometimes makes like you just told me about this guy, um, yeah. Takatsuri, who went to Ireland Scotland uh, Scotland and the, went to
1: Scotland yeah when in the, and oh I, he brought his probably in the nineteen twenties or early thirties and then he came back to Japan in the nineteen thirties and brought all all the knowledge that he learned back to Japan, including I think the coffee still that was I think you know, I sorry, I mix all this stuff up now. I, I drink a lot of whiskey. <laughs> but I think the coffee still is actually an Irish still that he learned how to design when he was in Scotland and yeah whatever in, in the in the UK. Um, yeah, and I think you know. I think that the juice in the bottle has to stand on its own. Yep. But it seems like every product, every new whiskey, at least that comes out today, has a story, whether it be true or not. Right, right, <laughs> right. It's
0: story. There's some marketing in that. Yeah. Oh, sure. yeah, and that's yeah.
1: that's fine. You know, if uh, if you have something to endear people to it. Um, for me, I think that you know most important is is how it tastes and. And the price point, you know, uh, it's, you know, all these fancy, expensive whiskeys are great, but is it, you know, is an $80 bottle really twice as good as a $40 bottle, right. you know, and when am I going to spoil myself on that $80 bottle? It all all depends. I, I think uh, you're right that most most whiskeys that come out now have a story, and it's great to know that story and share that with your guests. The more information you can share with your guests, the better, you know, an educated guest is the best guest
0: yeah i mean it makes it interesting like that story about him doing that and you were saying and now we're only just now drinking this stuff like mm-hmm. you know all these years later like that's makes that even more interesting you yes. almost you know you start yes. thinking about that as you're drinking it and there's like this good yeah. that that's a uh, that's it that's fascinating um I, I think
1: a lot of people think japanese whiskey is a new thing and it's not a new thing it's just new to the states, new to the or, states. or new to the mainstream states i guess um and probably in, like, the past 10 years, it's really started to take off here. That's, that's good. It's still hard to get, especially in North Carolina, but it's, it's if you can find it, it's worth trying.
0: Well, tell me, uh, so you've gotten—you've you've come to this uh, stubborn realization that service is such a big part of this, and, and you said you've gotten, you know, better over the years at getting those, the right types of people. What are you looking for? How do you find them? How do you
1: keep them? Um, you know, it—, it I think back when I was behind the bar, behind somebody else's bar, I really tried to own it. You know, like when I was back there running the bar, it was my bar. bar, Yeah, Yeah, in a in a respectful way. You know, like this is I'm going to run this place well. I'm going to treat my guests well, same way as if I had a party at my house. I try to look for people like that that actually take pride in their service and in their reputation. In this business and, and you try to look for people decision makers you know people that will make a decision and let you know what that decision was and can take criticism if you know if you say well that was great but next time you should have done it like this right right you know, people so you, that ask for permission or people for ask for forgiveness not permission
0: you give them the autonomy but they're willing to accept when you go hey man i hear you but constructive criticism why don't we try this instead yeah, they're, they're not yeah. going to yeah. flip out about it okay yeah, yeah. that's good
1: because you know, most of the time, the place isn't on fire. Most of the time, yeah. there isn't a brawl here. <laughs> most right. of the time, right. things are going just fine. There's little things that we can fine tune, um, and you know, when you put the right people in place that are making the snap decisions, because that's what it is behind the bar. You're making a decision constantly. You got to cut somebody off. You got to serve this person before that person. You got to tell your bar back or your server to do something else. You gotta make, you know, hundreds of those decisions shift and you just need somebody that's willing to do that and most of the time they make the right decision.
0: Gotta have a lot of self confidence to do that.
1: Yes, I think that's true for sure. I think I think you have to have a lot of self confidence to stand behind that bar with, you know, ten tickets behind you while you're making ten drinks and you have ten more people staring at you from across the bar waiting for you to look up to take their order. Not to can't quite do it yet. Yeah. So you just got to stay cool and yeah you got to have the confidence to to do that what, so when did when did Greensboro open uh September last September so, so last September so about nine okay. months ago okay Ten tell me ago. about
0: what's changed for you having two and then now you've got a third on the way how, how has your role changed and Drew's role changed and
1: well I think um I drive a lot more now. <laughs>
0: Greensboro is like, what is it, like an hour and... hour and 15 15? minutes. Okay. It's not bad.
1: Um, and I think that the, the good thing about Drew and I is there's two of us. Uh, that helps a lot. And um, I think you have to start to get to the point of delegating things before you start expanding. You have to accept delegation. You have to put together a good team all around. I mean... You need a good accountant, good bookkeeper, good lawyer, good business partner. You need good people working at all locations, good managers, and you have to be able to delegate it and accept that not everybody's going to do everything the way you want it done 100% of the time. Yeah. But if they get it 85% right, you're killing it, you know? 85% right Right. is, it's a home run, you know? I mean, that's winning. Um, And even if, you know... Yeah, nobody's going to do things exactly how you're going to do it, but as long as they're doing it well, doing it close, you know, then then I, I think um, I think you're winning. You know, standards you don't compromise on standards, but the actual steps that are taken to achieve those standards might be a little different. And that's Drew, fine.
0: Drew, so you you and Drew are partners. Partnerships can be
1: hard. Why do y'all? How does it work for y'all? I think it works remarkably well. Um, we each have our relative areas of expertise I think you know uh, Drew's been on the business side for a long time and I've actually been behind the bar and pouring whiskey and making cocktails and designing cocktails for years um, so those two things just meet in the middle real well and and I think I think we mostly agree and if we don't we talk through it in a way that um, you know in the end we end up both agreeing or one person says, well, I don't feel strongly about it. If you feel strongly about it, then we'll do it that way, you know? Yeah. So I, I think it's good communication, uh, good compliment to each other, and, uh, and yeah, we're usually both on the same level.
0: Well, hats off to you because you, you, you kind of casually went through this, and it sounds like you do really well with that. And the partnerships are tough for a lot of people. Oh, it's yeah. hard. And you yeah. sounds like you will have a good formula. So that's… Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I, that's a good thing. Um, so um, you've got… Durham opening. You're kind of in the early stages with that.
1: Yeah, we'll say we're we're in the early to mid stages. Early to mid stages. Did you do? Y'all you have investors? Uh, yes, different investors for each, uh, location, each location. So okay, yeah.
0: Now, do you are you leasing in both the other? Yes, okay. absolutely leasing everywhere for now. Leasing everywhere for now. Yeah. That's okay. Got it. Do you do you intend to buy at any point? Have a look at or do you? I'd like to. We'll like see.
1: It? We'll see how it works out. That's I, I think. Uh, another step you know of yeah. actually owning the real estate that you're uh, have your business on i think that would be great if the opportunity opportunity presents itself i think we'll try to do that um i think that's getting harder and harder to do but, yeah. but we'll see
0: you're just going one at a time and do you have a 10-year a plan or a five-year plan or you just no
1: for now we're one at a time i think three was a big milestone for us so we're yeah. going to get to three and then and then reformulate uh yeah. what we're going to do next i think sure. um I think once we get to 3 and we operate 3 successfully then we there's a lot of different directions we can go.
0: Yeah, I mean operating th- I mean especially since so you've been at it for 3 years now and so operating 3 successfully is a big
1: yeah, that's yeah. a big step. I think I think the first one was a big step and that was just kind of proof of concept, right? Like right. people like it, we're actually doing a good job, we're you know providing a, a service or a product that people actually like. Having two was a big deal, and, and just proving that we could do more than one, uh, if we can do three, then that's a whole nother step, and then we'll see if we do four, five, six after that, or you know, just work on four, or, or, or what happens after that. We'll see. Do you have...
0: Um, are there things that have happened that you did not expect that were, I guess, major surprises to you in this process? Or have you been in the business long enough that nothing's really been come as a surprise?
1: I wouldn't say on the, uh, as far as like the operation of the bar, I, I can't really point out any major surprises. Um, I mean, there's definitely a learning curve, right? When you step from being a bartender or bar manager to actually being the bar owner and all those numbers are your numbers, right? Yep. I would say my biggest surprises were the construction side and the build out side, and permits and licenses, and all of that, and just the incredible delays and headaches that you can run into with that for a variety of reasons that there's are outside so of your control. Mo- and there's so many moving parts and so many people involved. Uh, it's just, it's, it boggles the mind sometimes. And that's kind of what we're running into in Durham right now, unfortunately.
0: Are you, um, who have you learned the most from? somebody around here or somebody elsewhere whether it be about whiskey or whether it be about running a, a business who's been somebody that you would consider maybe a mentor or somebody you've taken you know, things you learned from them and brought them here
1: there are so many 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 people that I've worked with over the past 10 years in this town that I've learned from and these are people that I that worked for me that I worked for or that we just work together, and sometimes all three of them. Yeah, and, and this is—you know—this isn't just in the last ten years. Man. I remember twenty years ago being a server out in Washington State and working with a guy named Mike Toll, who taught me so much about service and just being a—you know—a a great server, selling you know fancy bottles of wine and fancy cuisine, and just taking it up to another level of. Thoughtfulness and preparedness, and actual hard work and pride in what you do. So, that, there's so many people. Yeah. I mean, locally, I just you know, Alex Flynn is great. He is a rep for uh, Copper and Kings now. His regional rep for them. Uh, Matt Bedinger and I worked together at Foundation. I worked with him over at Sea Grace. He's got his own bar out in Cary now, side bar. He's great. I've learned so much from him. I hope those guys have learned from me as well. Uh, you know. Back when we opened Foundation, Andrew Shepard, I learned a lot from him. I hope he learned at least one thing from me. <laughs> and yeah, so many others. Yeah. So many people. It's just, there's always an opportunity to learn from somebody that you're working with, working for, or that's working for you. And, uh, you know, most of that time is a positive lesson. Every once in a while, it's a lesson of what not to do.
0: <laughs> well, but both. And that's right. And what, what I like about that, I love that philosophy. I share that philosophy by the way that particularly learning from people that work for you. I mean, Mm -hmm. some people would say, you know, I I know the right way and do it my way and whatever. And you're looking at it like there's, there's something you can learn from, from everybody you come across almost. Um, And the learning what not to do. I mean, that's sometimes one of the, you know, those, those stick almost more than learning what to do sometimes. That's true. Um, so, trying to think if there's anything else i wanted oh yeah tell me about the okay so you and drew if i read this correctly went and became certified executive bourbon stewards what is that right mean? that's right that sounds like a
1: badass title <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's just a badass title um it was great we went to kentucky and had a great time and toured around a few different distilleries, met some great people you know, Jimmy Russell and the whole Russell family, actually, and um, uh, Bernie Lovers and, uh, you know, a bunch of people. And while we were there, we sobered up for a day and went to take a, a course at Moonshine University. It's right in the center Moonshine of Moonshine University. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm telling you, it was a great class. So it was a couple days, all day long, and, um, you know, there's a little bit of drinking involved in it too, but it's spaced out pretty well and it's very educational. Um, the greatest thing about it was we they actually have this small distillery on site so we got to you know mash our own grain distill our own grain and then taste it coming off the still the heads, hearts, and tails which was just awesome to me. You know if you've been at a distillery tour um, I guess well I think when Drew and I go to a to a distillery tour, we might get a special tour. But if you can taste what's coming off the still at the time, it's amazing. But to actually taste it, progress through the heads, hearts, and tails, taste the difference, see the difference, smell the difference, it was great. And part of the test that we took was actually just taking a smell test and calling out the heads, hearts, and tails. Of course, we got that 100% right. We took a written test that was, you know, I don't want to <laughs> make too much out of this, but it was open book. Drew and I put our books away and took the test. We're a little competitive. Um, we finished. We were the first people done. I got hundred percent. He got ninety six. That's right. I won. Um, <laughs> and we did a, a blind tasting, which was great. And this was kind of teamwork. You, you had like teams of four, and you were supposed to taste the whiskeys and come up with a flight idea for it. Like, why would you present these three whiskeys as a flight? Three or four? I, I forget what it was. I think it was three. Um, you know, these are all actually similar and we're going to taste them or they're all different. That's where we're tasting them against each other. Just present some sort of, you know, intelligent uh, thing about the, the three whiskeys that you tasted. And you're also supposed to call out what whiskeys they were, mm-hmm. which is so, so hard. Um, I think it's hard for everyone, but it's hard for me. Once a blue moon, I can taste a whiskey and call it no. and that has just got to be something that I'm just so familiar with or have had recently and I just know it I know the taste it's really rare so we, we had three whiskeys and our team called out the proof of each whiskey correctly but we got the whiskeys wrong and I was so frustrated because the first one was Penny Packer bourbon from Kentucky that I'd never tried before it was 80 proof I called it out at 80 proof I was thinking it was Jim Beam, but um, and then we, we I built everything off of that, so I called it 80 proof, 86 proof, 92 proof. And got all the proofs right, but didn't get any of the whiskeys right. They said that was the first time that happened, though, that somebody got all proofs right. Ah,
0: yeah, the proofs
1: would be well, it's, it's the first uh, because clue, if you haven't actually right?
0: had the brand, you yeah, have no yeah. clue. But the proof is that's that's pretty. That's
1: I guess pretty that's where impressive. when I was trying to figure out what each whiskey was, I. Was, I, I I went by proof first. I was like, well, if this is 80 proof, maybe it's Jim Beam. It's Jim Bean's 80 proof. Uh, maybe, you know, this is 86 proof. Maybe it's Evan Williams, because that's 86 proof. Or, Evan Williams is 1783, I thought it was. And then uh, the last one I thought was Elijah Craig, which is 92 proof. And I was wrong about the brands, but I was right about the proof. So I was on the right track, I think.
0: Are you, um, I want to ask you one more thing. Are, are you guys, you're going
1: to have your own distillery at some point? uh you know yes one day when I have more time and money than I need, I'll have my own distillery uh, maybe Drew and I'll have a distillery together uh, but I used to say the same thing about about bars. I said I'd own a bar when I had more time and money than I needed and here I am yeah I have no time, not enough money.
0: <laughs> yeah not 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 easy to, to uh, get those started huh not not yeah. inexpensive.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely have interest in it. Um, it. It would be something down the road, though. I think
0: huh? doesn't have to be in Kentucky, right? I mean, no. North Carolina's That's got right. some pretty intense, you know, summers and winter ex, ex, extremes. Uh,
1: Absolutely, and we have some good brands coming out uh, in North Carolina, and I think. What are some good ones
0: out of North Carolina? Uh, all of them, probably. <laughs> yeah, all of them. <laughs> I hear um, you. There's too Not many. all of them, but
1: there, some of them, and there's. Some really ones, really good ones that have come out in the last few years. I'll leave it at that. Okay,
0: I got. I'll tell you one that I like. Uh, I saw it up there. Where is that stuff? I have some at home. Defiant. Mm-hmm. I like that stuff. They've been around for a while. He's in the mountains or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. They have an interesting story.
0: Yeah, yeah. The story. Yeah, I read their story. I was <laughs> like, okay, what is this? Now this. Yeah. All right. Um, cool, man. Dude, I appreciate this. This oh, is was fun. my pleasure. This is fun. No, whoa, 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 okay, wait, 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 wait. We haven't tried the Booker's or the old Granddad. Yet. Oh but yeah, we're we gonna keep drinking. We, yeah, yeah, we can do yeah. that. Yeah. This is. <laughs> that's Luke over there. He's uh he's one of my buddies. He's a uh, um. He's a like a phenomenal filmmaker, and he's done a lot of all of our film work that we've ever done. He's done it. He's,
1: really? Will he take a look at my script?
0: Huh? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes <laughs>
0: story just of the kidding. no man absolutely well let's uh okay let's do it yeah i want to try some of this stuff well look i appreciate it. this is awesome you to take the time to do this man um highly educational a lot of fun really appreciate it we're stoked at schedule fly to serve you all this is just and this place is if you like whiskey um this place is heaven folks so if you're in, anywhere near raleigh check it out for sure uh appreciate it man thank you
1: my pleasure all right thank you